Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The finals are upon us. Tatum, Curry, Brown, Thompson, Smart, Wiggins, Horford, Poole, Celtics, Warriors. You can bet on all of the NBA Finals action with betonline.ag, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take. It Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is June 9th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening very nice show ahead of us here today. Five, 959 episodes strong here on the Take It Easy podcast. We've got NBA Finals game that finished up tonight, so we're gonna, just going to spend the podcast doing a post game for the NBA Finals. An NBA Finals game that I watched the second half of, but disclaimer on the front end, first half I had to box score watch because I was taking my last final of college. So, didn't really have the preparation for the game, didn't watch the first half of the game. I tuned in, the Celtics had 70 points at halftime, which is a general sign that things are going pretty well. So I'll box score watch the start of the game, and then the second half of the game, obviously the Celtics ended up having an amazing fourth quarter that I feel like is a great, it's similar to game one, followed a similar game script to game one. Obviously the Celtics didn't hit like seven of eight threes at the end, but that fourth quarter was revelatory, shall we say, about the state of this NBA Finals. So let's talk first about the, let's just go through the game actually first and foremost. So again, I'm box score watching the start, but in the first half, Steph Curry had 20 points. He's shooting four for six from three. The Warriors had just 16 points outside of Steph and Clay and Andrew Wiggins, and Wiggins didn't shoot all that well from three, and that trend kind of seemed to continue the rest of the game. If I'm doing the calculation here, the Warriors had 100 points. Wiggins, Thompson, and Curry combined had, what is it, 31 plus 18, 49 plus 25, 74 of those 100 points. So it feels like the rest of the Warriors kind of let them down. Draymond had a really bad game, two points, four rebounds, and fouled out with four minutes to go. It was kind of like semantics by the time he fouled out, but still fouled out of the game. And Warriors just couldn't find any offense outside except for that little four-minute stretch in the third quarter where Golden State finished the quarter with 33 points, but like they had the seven-point play, which I can't get over how crazy the seven-point play was for the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors had a three-pointer by Steph Curry, 
Plus, Al Horford got called for a flagrant because he stepped in the landing zone of Steph Curry, and you got to protect Steph Curry's ankles because entire playoffs and franchises are decided by Kawhi Leonard getting Zaza Pachulia, and then you change the rules because you got to give a landing zone for shooters. So, Steph Curry gets that, hits the free throw, come down, Otto Porter hits a wacky three, which was one of 20, or I guess three of 24 total points that the non-Golden State Warriors, other than their big three of Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, had scoring was an Otto Porter just farting a three-pointer out his butt and having it go in to cut what was like a nine-point lead at the time down to like two, or maybe it was 11 to four before Boston ever touched the basketball again. And then the fourth quarter happened and the Celtics kind of pulled away a little bit. But from the first quarter, or from the first half that I didn't watch, I saw that the Boston Celtics were shooting 55% from inside the paint. Or not inside the paint, from two-point range. Two-point range, they were shooting over 55%. I think it was like 57% from two-point range. And they were shooting... I think it was like 42% from three, but the Celtics and Warriors were both shooting the same, and Jalen Brown had a big half, which of course, the first time Jalen Brown has a big half the entire series is the half that I didn't actually watch. He had like, whatever, 20-something points in the first half and only finished the game with 27, so just kind of a non-factor in the second half, but everyone else scored a whole lot of points. And the, the flip side also is that the Celtics got to 116 and Boston had 26 from Tatum, 27 Brown, 24 Marcus Smart. They said it was like 25 and 5 from three different players was the first time that happened in a finals game in whatever the time frame was. And what I was watching in the first half was the Celtics, if they were 57% from two-point range and 40-whatever percent it was from three, it infers that they were getting to the rim better than game two. Because in game two... In the first half, they shot like 30% from, I guess it was the first three quarters. By the time they pulled the starters, it was 30% from two-point range, which was they were getting to the rim and they weren't making shots, whether that be the Warriors' defense or whatever else it was. And part of that seemed like they had a really good game plan against Draymond Green. Draymond came out flat, got in foul trouble early, no points for Draymond, and defensively the Celtics were getting everything at the rim. Like, this just seems like a really shitty performance by Draymond Green, and probably also Kevon Looney. Like, Looney's probably mixed in there, but I I couldn't measure the defensive impact of Kevon Looney during this game. He only played 17 minutes, because eventually the Warriors just kind of flipped up their offense all of a sudden. But Draymond played 35 minutes and fouled out. So I guess this becomes an indictment of Draymond Green and like, one of his worst finals games of all time. Again, I didn't watch the first half. That's just the insinuation I get. If the Celtics had, uh, in the first half, I believe it was... Let's see. I, I can't remember. Oh, it was uh, Williams, Horford, and Smart. I wrote it down here. They had 28 points in the first half. 25 of them came from two-point range. Derek White made three shots from inside, which I'm assuming were at the at the rim because Derek White only shoots layups and three-pointers. So uh, in that same way, like the role players of Boston, who we, we talked about after game two, it was like Boston's role players had 48 points in game one and they had four in game two. And then in this game, Marcus Smart had 24 and, you know, Horford had 11 and Robert Williams caught a couple lobs because he's now like Clint Capella offensively and Grant Williams hit a three pointer, whatever else it was like Boston 
got production from their role players and their big three put up I mean whatever it was 25 and 5 each which is almost unbeatable except when the Warriors are also putting up you know 74 points from Wiggins Thompson and Curry you know the the easy thing to point to from that is um, Golden State only shot 38% from three which we, we kind of concocted that formula of if the Warriors can shoot 40% from three they can get to 110 points that's kind of like the algorithm that the Warriors have concocted. And part of it was that the Warriors only got 15 free throws, which is well below where the Warriors expect to get to the free throw line. But, and you know, 38% to 40% semantics. One shot goes, the Steph Curry two-pointer gets called a three-pointer, and all of a sudden it's 101 and they're shooting 40% from three. But Warriors played their offensive game almost to a T, except in the fourth quarter. And I know this is a long post-game show and there's a lot of stuff we can talk about, but let's just go into the fourth quarter real quick because Golden State's offense could not do shit in the fourth quarter. It was remarkable how good that Boston defensive performance is. And it's kind of the reason why I'm kind of flipping up this feeling about the series. Like the Warriors were the betting favorites going in. Watching three games, Boston is pretty clearly the better team over Golden State. And I know Golden State coulda, shoulda, woulda won game two. Like Boston had a ridiculous shooting spree in game one that helped them win by double digits when they were down double digits to start the quarter. Like Boston is so good defensively. And in fairness, in game two, the Warriors looked similar to what Boston looked like defensively in that fourth quarter where the Warriors just couldn't even get shots up. And it was turnover after turnover after turnover. It was deflected pass out of bounds inbound play deflected out of bounds by the inbounder curry has to throw up a 54 foot or not 54 34 foot shot and it doesn't go like i I know curry can make them better than anyone in the history of the nba but like you don't want him shooting 34 foot shots and it was crazy to watch that play out in the fourth quarter because the warriors just literally couldn't do anything offensively and they were right in it going into the fourth quarter i was thinking like Okay, I know Boston usually plays strong in fourth quarters. And and by the fourth quarter of game two, the game was over. They pulled the starters, whatever. Like game one, game three, against the Bucks, sort of against Miami, Boston tends to play really strong in fourth quarters. And it's helpful when the games are close, but like sometimes Boston's going to be down 21 points and they've got no chance of coming back. Except that one game against Milwaukee where they were up like, 11 points with five minutes to go and blew it but like overwhelmingly Boston plays really really well at the start of fourth quarters and into the closeouts of games where like they don't go down to the wire very much at the ends of games they're usually winning by 10 to 15 points which as much as I crapped on like not caring about the regular season that was Boston's identity as well was like they're the number one defense in the league one of the top five offenses in the league and they're winning games by like 10 to 15 points which is the sign that they were one of the best teams in the NBA I just chose to ignore those signs and so Boston defensively in the fourth quarter was just unflappable and Curry's three-point percentage is going to look worse at the end it's going to look six for 11 which one of those two-pointers should have been a three it was like a tap on the line so he should have been 11 for 12 or I'm sorry seven for 12 and those shots at the end he just had no chance and Thompson shot like 0 for 4 because they were like Clay Thompson's going to have to fight through screens and get contested shots and you'll live with Clay Thompson shooting contested shots because he's not the same Clay Thompson that he was 
back in 2019, 2018, and all those years before. Like Thompson's at best the third best player on the Warriors, at worst the fifth best player on the Warriors, and you'll live with him taking all of those shots. I think it was like, what, 13 three-pointers for Thompson in that game? You'll live with that, and you'll live with that volume shooting, especially when you're playing such strong team defense at the end of the game. So I, I feel confident at this point saying Boston's the better team. I'm not saying the better team is going to win the series. There, this was always a possibility in the back of my mind. It was just gambling odds and, and the way the playoffs had played out had made it in made it look like in such a way that the Golden State Warriors were slightly a better team than the Boston Celtics. And I'm not exactly sure that's the truth through process of three games. Results of three games, different story. Like Golden State has outscored Boston in third quarters by like 34 points or something like that. I don't know exactly. Let me look up StatMuse and see what uh, that number is. It might be closer to like 43 points. I saw it on StatMuse. Let me just figure out um, what exactly that number was. But the, the Golden State Warriors have outscored Boston. Oh, here we go. The the Golden State Warriors are plus 43 in third quarters and they're minus 52 in every other quarter. Like the Boston Celtics are really, really good. The Boston Celtics are so good, especially when their defense is humming the way it did tonight. And they just hit a base level number of shots. Like they weren't great shooting the basketball. I, I mean, you'd suffice to say they were below average, just hitting a base level amount of shots was good enough because Jason Tatum can still create his own shot even when he doesn't have it going there were some times like I know that the one where he kind of scoop layups it at the end but Jason Tatum can create his own shot at the level of a superstar caliber player the the thing that's different about it is that he, he takes difficult shots and settles for a lot of shots sometimes which he hits more than most people hit them at it's just not enough to win basketball games in that respect. But he's still able to create his own shot like Kawhi Leonard's able to every now and then. And I know it's a cop-out to compare him to Kawhi Leonard or Devin Booker. But, like, he can create his own shot every now and then. And it, it's going to get you two points. It'll kill a rally. He'll hit a three-pointer here and there. It's enough where he's not you don't see the impact on the floor from Jason Tatum and then he gets a bucket and it's like oh yeah that's a go-to option especially when the Celtics go on the occasional scoring drought which in fairness to Boston the scoring droughts don't really happen that often it's it's just changes the math a little bit more when the Celtics all of a sudden or I guess the Warriors it's easy because it's like Jordan Poole defensive liability but like the Celtics get on the floor and all of them put up like duds for like three minutes and all of a sudden that lead they had feels like it's evaporated and like everyone's got their weakness in some places the Celtics offense is better than I thought it was and in game two everyone just played poorly that's going to happen sometimes the Celtics are good enough now where they can get two out of the last five games and they might win game four like I would probably bet the Celtics to win game four and that would put them up 3-1 which would make the Warriors pick inconsolable from the beginning but like I can see the Boston Celtics are like a better team than the Golden State Warriors at this point because the Golden State Warriors all the great things Steph Curry can do get matched by the team defense of the Celtics because they figured out a way to take Steph Curry off the floor 
for short spurts at a time. And and if you take away Draymond Green like they did tonight, it doesn't matter how many shots Steph Curry hits because now the, the core of the Warriors' defense has evaporated and boom, the Celtics are going to get 116 points. Draymond Green's easily the second most valuable player on the Warriors. And if you get rid of his defensive presence... All of a sudden, everything changes for the Celtics, and they're not exactly scoring at whim, but they're scoring 70 points in the first half, and in the fourth quarter, I mean, they kind of pulled them at the end, but like they're going on 25-11 runs at the end of the game with the strong team defense on their part, because the Warriors don't do a whole lot else exceptionally except have Steph Curry and have Draymond Green, and that might be good enough to win a championship. They they do things, they, they've created a system where if they shoot 40%, they will score 110 points. And if we're judging by how this series has gone so far, 110 points has been good enough to win one basketball game and lose two basketball games. And lo and behold, that's where they are in the series. So, like, underestimate... I mean, Draymond Green gets a lot of shit, but, like, Draymond Green's impact on that defensive side of the ball, along with Kevon Looney as, like, a secondary big man inside... It changes the way teams approach the Warriors' defense. And we kind of saw that in the Mavericks series because they just put Wiggins on Luka. And in this series, they put Wiggins on Jason Tatum and say, you don't need to shoot Wiggins. Although, you know, Wiggins Wiggins is just Drew Holiday. And if Drew Holiday's your third best player, it's good enough to win a championship. If he's your fourth best player, good enough to win a championship. You know, it depends on how you feel about Clay Thompson, about whether Wiggins is the third or the fourth best player on the Warriors. But, like, it, the, Wiggins is their Drew Holiday. That's the math they're calculating in their head. And Draymond's the defensive presence inside that changes all the math there and forces turnovers. And and it looks like game two when it's peaking at its best. And when Draymond has foul trouble and a shit game, it looks like 116 points. Game one, we can, all we can take away is just, hey, Celtics hit shots. Warriors dared him to hit shots. Every single dude on that team hit shots. That's the difference in that game. This was fundamentally breaking down the Warriors' defense And when the Warriors broke down their defense, their defense totally changed going into the fourth quarter, and the Warriors just couldn't do shit against the Boston defense. And it was remarkable to watch, because I'm like, there's no chance. Like, in the Miami series, when it was like 13 points, or the Milwaukee series, you're like, they could charge back, right? Like, it's, it's close. Nothing. By the fourth quarter, it was like Boston's defense. They, they're not even getting shots up. And that's the best kind of defense is not even getting a shot off in the first place. Boston's defense was so overwhelming in the fourth quarter that the Warriors had no chance. And maybe other teams were good enough to beat Boston in that respect. Maybe a fully healthy Milwaukee team. That's like the only one I can think of that like at full strength could could catch that Boston team. And I just underestimated them all season. I was wrong. And Boston might win the championship because if you're making me place a bet, I'm placing a bet on the Celtics for the next game of the series. So it'll be really, really interesting to see that part play out. And Boston, Boston's really, really good, man. Their defense has figured that that formula out on the Warriors. And if you're if you're rooting for the Warriors, like the plus side to all of this is you can look at that game. You can look at that game too and look at your sample size and say, we've created a formula where if we shoot this well, we can get to 110 points. And and Draymond Green just doesn't have the worst finals game of his NBA career like he did in game three. 
and they still scored 100 points, and if Curry's shot steps on the line, it's 101. Like, they just got broken down there a little bit offensively because they, ju- they just had a poor game from everyone else other than Curry, Wiggins, and, and Clay Thompson. But, like, you can get to 110 points with that formula, and sometimes it'll get to 120. If everyone's balling, sometimes you'll get 120, but if you shoot 45%, maybe you can get 120, and 110 is from 40%. That's going to carry for them as long as they continue to play good team defense because Boston except for the the end of game two like consistently played good team defense especially in the fourth quarter today where they stripped away Golden State but Golden State like I said Boston can play all the defense they want and it feels like Golden State is going to be able to get 110 points because as great as you can guard Golden State Steph Curry still hits this shot and if it's not him it's Poole and if it's not Poole it's Wiggins and if it's not Wiggins it's Clay Thompson and and they're not as good a shooting team as it was in 2015. It's still good enough to win a championship over and over again. So I'm really, really fascinated by how Game 4 plays out in the game script the Warriors use. Because you can infer that Draymond's not going to have that atrocious a performance again. You can bank on, it might not be great, it might not be good, it might be bad, I, who knows. It's not going to be that atrocious of a performance from Draymond Green. And if it is going to be like that, Boston's going to win in five. Like, just we're assuming that this is just a really bad game for Draymond Green with foul trouble and all of that. If you put that base in there, it puts the ball back into Boston's court. And I'm real, and pun intended there, I'm really interested to see how Boston adjusts in game four offensively I'm really because it feels like this entire series has come down to how Boston has played offensively and game three was probably more about Warriors playing poor defense it feels like every game in this series has come down to how has Boston's offense responded to what the Warriors defense has thrown at them and that's the most volatile thing about the series. And I'm really interested because if the ball is in Boston's court and they only have to win two out of five games the rest of the way, I like Boston's chances because Boston's really, really good at basketball. And even with guys just having a base level of success, like Marcus Smart, I mean, I mean, yes, Al Horford tonight, but like Marcus Smart gets to the rim and Grant Williams gets free throws and whatever else it might be, if they just have a base level of success, Brown and Tatum work off of each other to get 20 points each. I think it's been almost every game of the series where Brown and Tatum have had 20 points each. And and Jalen Brown hasn't been exceptional throughout the series so far. We've been bemoaning some of the performances by Jason by Jalen Brown or the fact that sometimes he doesn't look like a bona fide second star. And I think he scored 20 points in every game this series. I guess he had 17 in game two, but like 24 in game one, 17 in game two, 27 in game three, like pretty damn consistent. Pretty damn consistent for Jalen Brown as a number two scorer. And Jason Tatum, I know everyone's also been saying Jason Tatum hasn't had a signature performance because Steph Curry's been balling, but Steph Curry balling has been more out of necessity than it has been anything else. I, I think Jason Tatum giving you 25 or whatever it is a game is what's going to make him finals MVP, no question, because you can't give team defense a finals MVP. But I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in that respect – they have the ball in their court, and maybe it becomes necessity. Jalen, Jason Tatum has to take a dozen shots, and based on the Warriors' strategy in Game Two, like that's it's kind of what they hope for. They kind of hope it's a million Jason Tatum shots, 
and, and we'll live with that instead of Jason Tatum being distributor and leaving guys open for three. Like, Warriors' defensive strategy changes game to game, and that's the fun chess match that we're going to keep watching in this series, and it all comes down to Draymond Green, because the Warriors' only way to compete is by being able to hold the Celtics to under 110 points. If the machine's going to get you 110 with 40% from three, you got to be able to hold the Celtics to under 110, because like we said, Celtics had 120-something in game one, 90 in game two and 116 in game three feels like that's the volatile part of the series it feels like like the Warriors consistently have been and been playing the same way offensively Celtics defensive strategy has changed a little bit but the numbers still look the same obviously like change pro, good process same results for Boston defense game game three obviously they denied everyone else and, and just bad shooting from a couple other people and Draymond not being a factor offensively, all that stuff. Like you take that off the floor and Boston defense not able to affect Warriors in results, even if process changes. Warriors have the machine offensively. Warriors defense volatile in game three, games one and two, very similar and different strategies. Boston offense, dramatically different in each of the three games. It feels like that's where this series is won or lost, Boston offense. And if they only got to win two out of five, like Boston's chances at this point, seems like a pretty good strategy if the ball's going to be in Boston's court, pun intended, once again. So I am exhausted. I'm going to call it there. That is our NBA Finals postgame show. Um... I also want to point out that like the Warriors felt like they dominated the third quarter. They only outscored the Celtics 33-25. I think that's probably like the fourth quarter Celtics defense is the easiest thing to point to and say, "Oh, they just suffocated them." But like Celtics hit a bunch of shots in the third quarter to just not have a clusterfuck of a third quarter. Just not have a total clusterfuck of a third quarter and you're going to be fine. And that was basically the game plan at the end for the Boston Celtics. So it worked out. They got 116 points. Game four, ball's going to be in their court. We'll see what ends up happening. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. We got another podcast coming at you on Friday. At some point over the weekend, we're going to have an NBA Finals postgame show. After that, I graduate college and... You'll see how uh, next week's podcast lineup shakes out. I'm already starting to formulate it in my head a little bit. And we'll be in San Francisco for Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Not going to the game, of course, because that would be ridiculously expensive. But just going to drive over, see the scenes, the atmosphere. Based on me picking the Celtics to win Game 4, could be 3-1 at that point. Could you have a Celtic closeout in Golden State? Who knows? It's way too far to project, and my original pick is still Warriors in six and a half, I guess. Anyways, thanks for stopping in, everybody. Have a great, great day, and as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, NBA Finals on tap. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody. This is Kyle from the future, which I haven't been able to bring out this sound effect very recently, but uh, after we finished recording and I was getting ready to publish the uh, podcast from Game 3, 
Uh, we got word from Steve Kerr that uh, we would know more about Steph Curry's status on injury coming up later on, which I did watch the end of the game. I didn't cheat and start recording the post game during the fourth quarter. I just kind of forgot that Steph Curry got rolled over on that scrum for the ball where Al Horford kind of landed on his leg. That he was grabbing his chest at the end of the game, I think it was. I assume it's his his foot, because that was the thing he was kind of pressing on. But, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing that destroys all this analysis. And if we had, like, Morgan on the show or Cam on the show or Juju, we'd probably just laugh more about the series than do the actual serious basketball analysis. But, like, all the serious basketball analysis, throw it out the window if Steph Curry is any way injured for the Golden State Warriors because their entire offense is predicated on having one of the four best players in the NBA and the Golden State Warriors are absolutely screwed if Steph Curry is even the slightest bit injured. So yeah, let's just acknowledge that first and foremost. All that analysis, you can throw it out the door if Steph Curry doesn't play in game four for the Warriors. Anyways, that's all I have to add at the end here. Let's fully acknowledge the fact that this series could be already over by the fact that Steph Curry's now hampered by the for the Golden State Warriors on a scrum for a basketball while down 12 that literally didn't matter. Did not matter. It also got Draymond Green fouled out of the game. Just a brutal, like, cut your losses and go home situation for the Warriors. Took a big ol' L at the end of that game. So, anyways, this has been Kyle from the future wrapping up the wrap-up of NBA post-game, Game 3. I don't, what, what would it even call it? NBA Finals, Game 3 post-game, uh... NBA Finals, Final Countdown, whatever. We'll call it NBA Finals, Final Countdown, whatever. This is the final of the final of the post game because uh, now we know the Golden State Warriors might be totally screwed because Steph Curry might be totally injured. And you think Draymond Green having the worst finals game of his NBA final, or the worst game of his NBA Finals career, which, again, Draymond Green's played in, what, six NBA Finals now? And that's like, 30 something games and this was the worst game of his NBA finals career you think that's rough for Golden State add Steph Curry being injured into the mix because now you got offensive question marks and defensive question marks against a team that's actually pretty good I'm not going to pretend like I'm just plain wrong about the Boston Celtics all season no no pretending no BSing nothing like that like Ooh, Warriors are in trouble. I just got around to saying the Celtics are a better team than Golden State. It's not a guarantee they're going to win the series. They're just a better team than Golden State. And I may have not been saying that beforehand because I, I, I guess I wasn't saying that beforehand. All I said was Warriors are betting favorites, therefore I assume they're the better team in the series. But that's not the best intellectual analysis you can possibly give. But if you take away offensive, if you take away Steph Curry even a little bit, it messes with the formula. It messes with the, if you shoot 40%, you get 110 points. A lot of that's predicated on Steph Curry going like 7 for 12 from the three-point line in a game where his other teammates aren't showing up and they still lose. So yeah, Boston's probably in the in the green, pun intended, on this one if Steph Curry's hurt. And uh, the Warriors might be totally screwed. And that would be rough because all that analysis we just did would be thrown out the window. So, yeah, this has been Kyle from the future breaking down NBA Finals Game 3 after the breakdown of NBA Finals Game 3 on the regular podcast. NBA Finals Final Countdown dismissed. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.